0: This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. We are in the conference finals for the NBA. All the games have been so fun so far. Just shows how fun the finals are going to be this year. We got some award winners that have been announced for the past couple weeks. I have a problem with my local franchise about what they did with their coach from this year. And possibly a new franchise coming to the league, or maybe more. It's going to be really interesting to look at. Let's jump into it. Alright, so for the conference finals, from this point on, I'm really not going to do, like, game by game recaps because to me that was just really boring to do and it seemed like it would be boring for people to listen to I don't really want to be another sports center I just want to just bring out what I think was is best in the game and not just reading off the stats and just saying oh blah 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 so for this I'm just gonna give my uh predictions for the conference finals they'll most likely be wrong but hey what does it matter I'm gonna do it anyways so, for the Suns against the Clippers, I'm going to say the Suns will win in five games. I think the Clippers might get one because teams, especially this late in the playoffs, they're going to try really hard to not get swept. And the Clippers are still really good. It's just that they don't have Kawhi Leonard, which there's no timetable on his injury. So, no one knows when he'll be back. But the Suns are also missing Chris Paul They're their leader at the moment, their point guard, their their, uh, veteran. But he's just out in health and safety protocols. He'll be back at some point in the series, unless if the Suns just get it done really quick, then he might not even need to play at all, which is more rest for him, which would scare the crap out of me if I was at the other team facing him in the finals. And the thing about this series is that it is a tale of two, not even really two teams that are miserable, just two elements that are on the teams that are that are miserable. The Clippers as a franchise are miserable. They <laughs> it's been terrible, 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 terrible <sighs> like ever since they became a franchise. In well ever since they came to LA. They do nothing but play the little Brother to the Lakers, even though for a long while they were better than them. Not for five to ten Five years, pretty much, back in the Lob City days. But there's they still haven't made... I think this might be their first conference finals, maybe. And they've just been miserable, just bad GMs, terrible drafting, the probably the worst owner ever. And But on the other hand, you have Chris Paul, who was a part of those Lob City Clippers, just couldn't get it done. But, like, this is a player that... It, for me it's tough because I like to have magic up there but he but people see him by he is miles ahead and above of any point guard in the in league history I think him and magic are really up there as two of the best it's just that chris Paul hasn't really I don't he just hasn't been lucky like no other way to say it teams in New Orleans were great but they weren't I mean they were good that they weren't great enough to really make a statement on anything because really all he had was David West as his number two guy and then like a Mecca Okafor which that's not going to help you but then he gets traded to Los Angeles who was supposed to be going to the Lakers to team up with Kobe but that trade got vetoed by the league which that's a whole nother story on its own <laughs> that no one really likes talk about because it just like enrages them. So when he ends up going to, to the Clippers. Team's with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, great regular season team, not so great in the playoffs. They just kept getting bounced and bounced every year. So then he makes his way over to Houston with James Harden. They get so close, like they were inches away from it, but Chris Paul gets injured in the conference finals against the Warriors, he can't do anything about it. They just lose. Then there's a game where the Rockets missed 27 threes, like didn't make a three for the entire game. And then it also find, and then you also find out that Chris Paul and James Harden just straight up hated each other. So like on the floor, I I don't know anything about off the floor. On the floor, they you could tell they just did not like each other. But then. He goes to Oklahoma City, and people were thinking, oh, this is going to be the downfall of Chris Paul's career. He's got no one around him. Because that was right after when the Thunder just blew everything up. Like, traded Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. Got traded Paul George away for a million picks for him to go to the Clippers. But then they make the playoffs, and they go, I think, a couple rounds last year. Did great. Then he goes in the Phoenix where everyone's like, Okay, now he's got a lot of talent around him. But is like, I'm just rooting for Chris Paul because he deserves it. He's one of the greatest ever. It's just that he's not, he just hasn't been lucky. And it pains me to like go through everything that's happened to him because he was literally so close. They were a game away from the finals to where they were most likely going to win. I don't think LeBron was beating anyone in the in the West that year. Again, I have the Suns of five. A tale of two miserable beings. <laughs> and Chris Paul and the entire franchise and the Clippers. But hopefully the Suns win. And let's go on to the next one. Alright, so for the Hawks and the Bucks, I did my notes. Like, during the pregame of game one, which happened on Wednesday. I wrote Bucks and six. Hawks are gonna make it fun, which they have so far. That series has been amazing. Trey Young went for 48 points last night, and I don't know why at one point they just left him completely wide open. He did a little shimmy before shooting the ball, which is, I'll tell you, those Hawks they got balls. <laughs> like Trey Young doing that, and then Trey Young also lobbing it off the gra- off the glass in the most heavily in the most heavy traffic I've ever seen someone driving to the basket he still has the wherewithal to throw it off the backboard to John Collins to just absolutely hammer it down but with that being said the Hawks did get game one which they got game one of every series they've been in so far but I still think that even if the Hawks do win this series I don't think they'll win the finals because I think they're a year away it's one of those things where, like, you can see where something's coming. Like, people could see Michael Jordan coming from a little bit of ways. He's had to just figure stuff out, get stronger. And then once he got past the Pistons, it was game over. But I think the Hawks, it's like that. You can we can see them from pretty far away. Like, they're gonna be good. They're so young. They're gonna be really good but I still think they are a year away. By the way, can we talk about how um, Ben Simmons, (laughs) wow, it really shows that in this league you need to be able to shoot because Ben Simmons can't shoot from three at all, can't shoot from the free throw line, like, ever, pretty much. And he's just throwing away open shots that even, like, he can easily make. Like, he had a wide-open dunk and he just passed it to a guy who was being double-teamed. It's interesting to see where Ben Simmons is going to go. I'm even more interested to see what a team will get for him. If it's me, I'm not giving up, like, a high-end package for him. Like, this guy is the main reason why you guys lost in the conference semis. Like, you really want me to trade for him with my best player? Yeah, no, get out of here. But again, I will say Bucks and Six... The Hawks did come out. They did come out swinging. But they did only win by 3 in a game that was very close throughout. Well, the Bucks came from a big deficit and still lost by 3. So I still think Bucks will win in 6. Let's go on to the award winners. All right, so for the awards, we have the MVP is Nikola Jokic. So we saw this coming for ever since the season started, really, within a month into the season. We pretty much knew Nikola Jokic was going to be the MVP. Stephen Curry made a really good case for it, but he came on a little later in the season, like right around the All-Star break. Uh, Joel Embiid, also, he could have easily won it, but it's just the amount of games. And especially Jokic, he's the first MVP since Kobe in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, to play in every regular season game. I understand it's a shortened season, but that's still hard to do. The NBA, you are playing so many games back to back. Like you have a you have a weekend where you just do just three road games right in a row in the NBA. It's insane. But Jokic ended up averaging twenty six points per game, ten rebounds per game, eight assists per game, which for a center that's far and away amazing shooting 56 percent from the field and 39 percent from three again essentially 40 percent from three is good for anyone but it's for a center it's amazing speaking of which he is the first center to win since Shaquille O'Neal in the year 2000 and like I said he's the first MVP to play in every regular season game since Kobe then for rookie of the year we have LaMelo Ball Really seemed like the only good choice there was because like Anthony Edwards, he was great. He led all rookies in scoring, but he wasn't really the player you wanted him to be. He really only had one highlight play, which was that dunk and like right at the beginning of the season. But for LaMelo, averaged 15 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, and 6 assists per game. Some of the greatest passes of the season were from lamello ball like he he did really well this year like he's been playing professional for a couple years but it wasn't NBA basketball some people it's hard to determine how good someone will be like from Australian League basketball to the NBA he really showed that he is here to stay and especially with those assists the, those were insane. With that being said, he did prove everyone everyone wrong. I remember listening to Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo, and it was like right before the draft, and they were saying that from what they had heard, that GMs were just saying that they didn't they didn't think Lamella was that good. They said that they really did not like his pre-draft workouts and interviews, like he just, they just didn't think he'd be good. Now, not saying Rookie of the Year is a prestigious award or anything like it for this year it is but like there have been rookies of the year that have not been that great like Tyreek Evans won rookie of the year he's kicked out of the league right right now i think his uh 3 years up this year rookie year like if he keeps working he will be great but hopefully he doesn't stop working You're like oh i won rookie of the year i'm good michael carter williams won rookie of the year I think he's even on a roster. I think he might be, but, like, he's not an all-star or anything like that. So, congratulations to LaMelo, but just keep working. Do not think that this is, like, oh, I can stop now. Next up is Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. He ended up with 13 rebounds per game and 2.7 blocks per game. That astounds me alone. I understand he's 7 foot, but, like, essentially three blocks per game, that's tough. Especially since, like, you're going, sure, he's a professional, but you're going against other professionals. That People can get crafty around the rim to avoid getting blocked, and Rudy still gets 2.7. With this, Rudy Gobert became the fourth player to win it at, to win the award at least three times. Dikeme Mutombo has four, Ben Wallace has four, and Dwight Howard has three. That's some really good company right there. I think that would be three Hall of Famers. Ben's a Hall of Famer. He's gonna be a Hall of Famer this year. Dechambeau's been a Hall of Famer for a few years now, and Dwight Howard. Uh, people are on the fence about it. I think he would be a Hall of Famer because, well, I mean, he did win. He won like three Defensive Player Year, Defensive Player of the Year awards in a row, which is <laughs> that's really impressive. And just his stretch in Orlando was really good. That's some really good company right there. But with Rudy Gobert winning it, again, for his third time, is there such a thing as voter fatigue for Defense Player of the Year? Because we hear that for the MVP all the time. Like, really the most someone will win an MVP nowadays is, like, twice. Like, Steph Curry's only won two. LeBron may have two or three which if you really think about it, LeBron should be winning it most of the year most of the years because he really he's the best player we have at the moment that's the thing like dude I I don't know if it's that people really just don't care enough about defense player of the year to where it's like it's not gonna be boring if the same guy wins it because Rudy really is that good defensively but like I don't know if voters will steer away from him winning in the next couple of years Next up is Tom Thibodeau for Coach of the Year. The only thing I could find is that last year the Knicks were twenty-one and forty-five, and this year they are forty-one and thirty-one. Made it to the playoffs, end up losing in the first round. But luckily for Tibbs, this is a regular season award. Doesn't matter what you do in the playoffs. That's the thing about these. I almost want them to be the whole encompassing thing because, like, sure you have Finals MVP, like MVP. Like, in 2019, Kawhi Leonard would have won MVP if they counted the playoffs because he was that good in the playoffs. He looked like, I don't know, one of the greatest players ever in that stretch. It's tough for me because, like, some of them I would like to see be a whole year thing because most MVPs don't even, like, make it far in the playoffs. Like, Jokic lost second round. Westbrook, The couple years that he was, he didn't really make it out of the first round. So, it really is interesting to see how the awards would change based on that. But uh, congratulations to Nikola Jokic, LaMelo Ball, Rudy Gobert, and Tom Thibodeau. Um, those are your 2021 NBA awards. Let's move on to... Why I don't? Why I think the Pacers shouldn't have fired Nate Bjorkren. Okay, so this happened a couple weeks ago. Um, I was on vacation, so I wasn't able to deal with it. There was other coaching stuff. There was other coaching changes, like uh, Terry Stotts is out in Portland, Steve Clifford's out in Orlando. But the one that really didn't make sense to me was Nate Bjorkren. Out as the Pacers head coach. I really don't get it. I, I like I I just don't understand it. In the one year, he's only been there one year. He went 34 and 38. Not the best record, I'll admit that. But they made the play-in game. Had the opportunity to play in for the 8th seed. So like, sure, Pacers underestimated. One thing that everyone knows for the Pacers is like fourth and fifth seed in the playoffs just be mediocre and we're fine except it doesn't really work like that because like sure you're fine I'm fine making the playoffs but like at some point I want to like do something more than the first and second rounds so yes pace is underestimated but so but like all of our best players were injured we traded for Karis LeVert in the James Harden trade where we sent Victor Oladipo to the Rockets. Harden went to the Nets and Caris Levert went to the Pacers. Lavert <clears throat> touches down in Indiana and he goes to he goes to a physical. They find a tumor when as soon as he arrives. So he so he had to sit out for so long. He only played thirty five games. Miles Turner, he's our defensive anchor. He was in strong consideration for defensive player of the year before he gets injured, so he only played 47 games. TJ Warren, star he was a star of the bubble, well, for the exhibition games and the bubble, not really the playoffs in the bubble, but he's still a solid starter. He only played four games. I, I don't understand. This is so premature because I don't understand how you're going to fire someone for having... For coaching, a busted team—like <laughs> that's the best way to describe it—they're just busted in a in a season where the the team that's gonna win is the team that's gonna be the most healthy. I I just don't get it. Like I don't know if it's because like maybe he should have just cut his losses and tried to get the number one pick because we got thirteen in the in the lottery. I, this is so premature on the Pacers' part. And and the other thing that, like, we fire Nate McMillan, right? He's in the conference finals right now with a 1-0 lead over the Bucks. So, one, we've let go so many guys that have gone on to greener pastures. Frank Vogel went to the Magic, wasn't that great. But now he's with the Lakers where he has a championship already and sure yeah they lost in the in the first round this year but they don't ha- they didn't have anthony davis and lebron for like ever forever like they didn't play on the court together in nothing but like six games or something like that it's a ridiculously low number but like Bjorkren, it's not like it was just a one guy that we just found and he was like oh yeah let's give him a shot and if it doesn't work out whatever He was an assistant under Nick Nurse in that championship team in Toronto. He was also in player development for the Suns Forever, where they've developed pretty good guys who are solid starters now. Ah, man. I just... It doesn't make sense to me. You give him one year, does actually really good for the amount of injuries we had. And also, like, we traded Oladipo, so, like, kind of, you're really just setting him up for failure because then you have to rebuild team chemistry with Karis Levert. Oh, but by the way, Lavert's going to be injured, so you won't have any on-court chemistry until, uh, let's see, two weeks before the play-in games, and you'll win the first play-in game, but then get decimated by the Wizards, which is a team that you always lose to by, by like, 30 or so. So, uh yeah, pre- this is premature. Uh it's really going to come back to bite the Pacers. I already know it. Nate McMillan, Frank Vogel, now Nate Bjorkren. I mean, he's been a he's been on a great coaching before. Um hope he gets a second chance. That's all I say. Because it's people like him, Stephen Silas, who really just they're not going to get a chance. But there are openings. Portland. I believe Boston, they've hired Ime Udoka. So that one's uh, taken care of. There was just an opening in Dallas. Uh, Orlando's got openings. So, hope Bjorkren gets another chance. And uh, I, know, I already know it's going to come to bite buy buy the Pacers back. But for uh, the coaching candidates, for the Pacers... It's Terry Stotts, Steve Clifford, the guys who have lost their jobs, Mark Jackson, and Chauncey Billups. Of those, I'm hoping for Terry Stotts. He's an, he's an Indiana guy. Went, he was born in Iowa but went to Bloomington South in Bloomington, Indiana. Indiana guy. Uh, I would love to see Stotts in there because he really is a good coach. It's just that him and the Trailblazers, they're going in two different directions. Uh, I wouldn't really want Clifford. He hasn't been... That great. He made the playoffs twice, but only won two games combined. Mark Jackson's a solid coach, and he would be good because he was a former Pacers player. But he hasn't coached in a long time, so that's what kind of worries me about him. And Chauncey, I don't know. If, I don't think he's coached. What he's? I think he's an assistant in L.A. for the Clippers. But like, people are wanting to throw him in these positions, and I don't know if they'll work out. But since that uh, he's an assistant in the conference finals, he'll definitely get offers. I know that for sure. But like I, I wonder if he'll get a job or not. Okay, so I've taken some time to cool down after that, after that rant, and uh, the final story for today is that the Harlem Globetrotters have asked Commissioner Adam Silver. To have them join the NBA as their own franchise. When I first heard this, I was like, um, okay. But the Globetrotters, like, they... if For you, for those of you who don't know what the Glo- Globetrotters do, like, they're a traveling basketball... It's almost like a circus, but it's based around basketball. Like, they do play serious basketball from time to time, but a lot of them, it's like, they pour popcorn on people. They hang on the rim. They sit on the rim. They stand on the rim. They dribble around on their knees. They're, it really is good basketball to watch. I love watching it. But once when I hear them say, "I you want them to," when I hear them say that they want to join the NBA, I was a little puzzled because just based on what they do, the Globetars, they've taken basketball around the world and made it entertaining to bring the whole family. Now basketball is entertaining for the whole family to begin with, but they make it fun for like toddlers and like people in, and kids in elementary school, which is a great service. I love that they do it. Anytime I would I would be able to catch the Globetrotters on TV, I would absolutely love it because it's just them beating up on the same team, which I still find really funny. The Washington Generals. But then, after looking into it, I started thinking about it even more, and I realized some of the best and most important players have played for the Globetrotters before going to the NBA. Wilt Chamberlain, arguably the greatest, one of the greatest players ever, well, he arguably the greatest player ever, scored 100 points in a game, averaged 50 points a game in a season, he played for the globe Chars before going to NBA, and he also played for them in the off season, like he in between seasons he would go play for them. And then Connie Hawkins played for them. He was Connie Hawkins is one of those players where no one knows about him, but re- people really should. Connie Hawkins he was a star player in on the playgrounds in New York and in high school. Goes to Iowa, plays one year. Gets involved in like a point shaving scandal that really it took up all of college basketball, which there's a point shaving scandal like every 20, 30 years in college basketball. But because of that, like the NBA wouldn't take him because he only played one year at Iowa, which was a problem. But two, like they didn't want that reputation with point shaving, which he didn't do. Like he went to court about it and everything. So he goes to the ABA becomes a star. Then he goes to Globe Trotters, and then that was when I believe he was like petitioning, "Hey, put me in the NBA." I didn't do anything. Just please, put me in. So, Connie Hawkins, he's one of the most important players. Played for the Globe Trotters, and probably the most important player in league history, Nat Sweetwater Clifton, played for the Globe Trotters. If you don't know who he is, he is the first. African American basketball player to sign a contract in the NBA. Played for New York Knicks. Was an All Star. So he, the Globetrotters, are all about bringing in the best players and breaking barriers, which is something I you got I you really have to admire about them. But then I started going through their history, and they've. It's not like they're just a traveling act. In 1940, they won the World Basketball Championship over the Chicago Bruins. But then, two in two years in a row, they beat the world champion Minneapolis Lakers, which no one beat the Minneapolis Lakers back in the day. Like, George Mikan was the guy. Like, no one was stopping him, even though he literally couldn't move, like, 10 foot, like. He couldn't run up and down the court. He was so slow. But it was just him and the hook shot. And at one point in Madison Square Garden, they put up on the sign. It said George Mikan versus the Knicks. So, like, the Lakers were really good. George Mikan was even better back then. They beat them twice, two years in a row. Um, But then I look at this article, and the NBA has been thinking about expansion for a year or so now. I think they were thinking of it right before COVID, but now I think they're really thinking of it afterwards because of more revenue to bring in. And I'm all for, at this point, I'm all for putting the Globetrotters in because if the Globetrotters are going in in the East, that means I would believe that someone, that you would have to put in a team in the West just to balance the teams out East and West. And that team in the West would almost just have to be Seattle Bring back the Supersonics The greatest fan base In probably All of basketball Is Seattle They just love their team so much And it got ripped away from them When they moved to Oklahoma City I would want that to balance out the teams And the Last expansion was in 2004 With the Shot Up Bobcats Not the best team But like The other thing I would love to see with expansion is something I've never, uh, seen, like, in my time of, like, truly caring about basketball. Because, like, obviously the Bobcats were in existence when I was, they came into existence in my lifetime. But I didn't, I barely knew what basketball was (laughs) when I was that young. So, I really want to see the expansion draft. If you don't know, like, uh... Every team gets to designate certain players as, like, you can't, you can't touch them. But they would that would leave, like, some of their bench players to be put into this draft pool. And, like, the team isn't going to be the best, not by a long shot. But you're still going to end up with solid players and some people that in a different role could shine. And I believe they also always get the first pick. Because the Bobcats did in 2004 when they draft No, they got the second pick in 2004 where they drafted Emeka Okafor. Which I mentioned earlier. he <laughs> Good in college, just not in the NBA. But I would be really interested to see what happens. The NBA hasn't responded to the letter yet that the Globetrotters have sent. But I think in these conditions... The NBA is strongly considering this, and it would be really fun to watch. So I want to thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I'm sorry I was gone the past couple weeks. Again, like I said, I had vacation. But hopefully we will be right back on schedule, uploading every Friday. So watch the conference finals. They're going to be so fun. It's been really fun so far. And uh, follow me on Twitter, at D.Everhart00. And I believe that's it. We will see you next week. Peace.